This is Chris Bosa with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dan Gollins, president of Texas Children's Pediatrics and Texas Children's Urgent Care. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Dan, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Sure. As you said, I'm Dan Gollins. I'm president of Texas Children's Pediatrics and Texas Children's Urgent Care. We have 80-plus locations across the central and southeast Texas region, so throughout Houston, Austin, and College Station. I've been in the president role since 2021 and have been with Texas Children's for over 10 years. I have my undergraduate degree and master's degree from University of Central Florida. I got into healthcare uh, a little bit about why I, how I got into this role. I got into healthcare thinking I actually wanted to be a physical therapist and quickly realized during my undergraduate studies that while healthcare was where I wanted to be, patient care wasn't necessarily the thing I wanted to do. And so quickly shifted my focus from the patient side to the business side of healthcare. I spent my entire career on the physician side, so I have not worked uh, in the hospital setting, but I've spent all my time with physician groups, either on the adult side or now in the pediatric world. Uh, Dan, what was it that made you want to make that change from physical therapy to your current path? Well, I quickly realized in the anatomy and physiology classes that uh, looking at those very, very large textbooks, that was not how my brain functioned to memorize uh, information at a, in a large quantity. I was more of a numbers person, data and analytics person. Um, and in the background, I had been taking a lot of the economics courses and finance courses so quickly shifted uh, shifted gears because I knew I wanted to do healthcare. Again, thought I wanted to do patient care, but recognized very quickly that that wasn't wasn't for me. But I could still have uh, the ability to impact patient care in a, in a different way, and so utilized my my finance and analytics skill set um, and, and went down that path. Well, it certainly sounds like you landed in the right place. What would you say are your top priorities today? Well, I'm gonna I'll break that up into two two buckets here. So from a patient standpoint, our, our, our top priority is to continue to provide high quality, best in class experiences. Our families love us. They love their pediatricians. Their pediatricians are a part of their daily lives for some of our families. They, you know, you, they get to see your kids from the day that they're born until they leave, leave for college. And we want our families, uh, at least here in our organization, we want our families to, to be a part of that. And we want our pediatricians to be a part of our families. We have a responsibility to continue to make sure we have access for our families. We have so many people that love us, it's sometimes really hard to get in. So we continue to look at different ways to provide access for our families. Um, and that's where we're unique. And our urgent care service line is very closely aligned with our primary care service line. So we have the ability for patients to get seen on our primary care side or on our urgent care side, but we can see their entire history. So while the provider might be different, the care is very seamless. In, in how we're providing it to our families. From a physician and staff standpoint, our prior, priority coming out of the pandemic has really been around engagement and wellness. So what we heard from our team quite often was they felt abandoned or alone, especially during the early parts of the pandemic because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know, you know how to make sure everybody was truly protected. And while we had a PPE, there were still a lot of questions out there. As we've come out of that, we have really focused on the re-engagement and the wellness of our of our teams. Um, we are uniquely challenged due to our geographic spread. So Texas is very large, and Houston is um, has some some traffic barriers, and, uh, and Austin is no different. It can take you several hours to drive across town. Uh, but our geographic spread, while it is uh, unique and challenging, 
it has also provided us a unique opportunity to get out and, and meet with our teams. So personally, I make it an effort of mine to go out to our practices at least once or twice a year to visit with our teams, to listen. It's really important that we, we go out and listen. We're not just there to shake hands and say hello. We're there to listen and hear the direct feedback from our teams, see what's going on in the clinic, hear from our patients or hear from our providers. Um, I have a very much have an open door policy. Anybody has questions or concerns in our organization, they can pick up the phone and call. They can email me. I am available and, and my leadership team, our directors, our executive team, everybody has that same open access to them because we're very much here about transparency, listening, communicating. Um, I think the other thing that's really important to us is about two years ago, we stood up our physician engagement and wellness committee. As a physician group, we are a physician-led organization. And it's really important for us to be successful, we have to have physician buy-in. So we started this engagement and wellness committee really focused on combating burnout. And we don't even like to say the word burnout, we want to improve engagement and improve wellness. Um, subsequently, that's gone so well that we've done uh, subsequent groups for managers, advanced practice providers, staff, and one specific to our urgent care setting just because there's some unique challenges that they have that might be different on the, the primary care setting. Um, but what I didn't talk about, what you didn't hear me say was talk about finance or quality or uh, growth. You know, we're confident that if we improve the engagement and the wellness of our staff and our physicians, all the other stuff, the business stuff will come. We will be successful on finance. We will have better quality outcomes. And, and we've seen that. So we've seen our financial position improve. We've seen our quality outcomes improve. Um, over time, as we've continued to launch and um, navigate our way through the pandemic, and and really re-engage with our with our staff and our physicians differently. You mentioned the challenges that were faced by your teams during the pandemic. Uh, with the recent wave of RSV, what sort of feedback were you getting from your providers? Yeah, that that surge was uh, over the the winter break was really heavy, and I would tell you that outpaced any volumes that we had seen during the, the pandemic um, previously. But, you know, everybody felt supported. They felt that we communicated appropriately. Was it perfect? No. Were there times that we were like, you just got to figure out how we can get open, how we can see our families? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I also think this was a unique challenge and nobody really knew what to do. These were volumes and numbers across the, the country that patients weren't that we've never seen before. Um, I think as an organization, having our urgent cares single-handedly saved our organization to be able to function. Our emergency rooms were over capacity. Our urgent cares were filled to the brim. Our primary cares were filled to the brim. And so we would leverage all those assets. We leveraged our telemedicine program. We were seeing 180 to 200 kids a night on telemedicine where normally we see 100. We were open until three o'clock in the morning. So we, we pulled all the levers that we could and our staff and our physicians felt very much supported. And, you know, at some point we just said, this is as much as we can do and we're here to serve as many patients as we can, but we have to do it safely uh, for everybody. Given all that you have seen and it sometimes seems just overwhelming, how do you anticipate your role and your teams will evolve over the next 18 months or so? Yes, I think the word evolve is a, is a, is a good, term to use here. So Texas Children's 
we have a very, very strong history of growth and expansion, and we're really proud of, of Texas Children's Pediatrics and Urgent Care. We've been around for 28 years, so we've really um, had a physician group that started started with one practice 28 years ago, and now with our urgent cares, we're over 80. Uh, the next 18 months is going to continue to be an evolution. We have a new hospital that's opening up in Austin in February of 2024. We've got additional urgent cares, additional primary care uh, service line offerings. So we need to continue to evolve and be flexible. And what does it mean to provide care in not only just another part of town, but a place that's three hours away? How do we support those practices, support our physicians, support our families? Um, Austin is a little different than Houston. How do we support families differently there than we might here in Houston? I think for my team, we talk a lot about the evolution of our structure. So our finance, our quality teams, our value-based care, we know we need to evolve in those areas to continue to support the growth and the expansion um, that we have going on. And I think for me in particular, I actually don't think there's a, a ton of evolution in my role. My role continues to be an advocate. I need to advocate for my physicians. We need to advocate for our staff. We need to advocate for our leadership team. We need to provide them with those tools that they need to support and care for our families. I can't do that. I cannot go in and serve our families. I cannot go in and provide care for our families. But what I can do is I could fight for whatever it is that they need. I could advocate for those tools, those resources, whatever it is that they need to do to be successful, to be able to support our families. And I think in my role and in our leadership team's role, like if we don't do that, then we are failing. Uh, doesn't mean we can't evolve as leaders, but at the core of what we do, we need to be an advocate for our for our team. So I don't I don't see my role changing much in in uh, in that sense. Uh, beyond advocacy, which is certainly very important, uh, what do you think is the key to cohesion among your network? Considering, as you said, it's spread all over Texas. Yes, I think transparency and communication. If there's one thing that we've learned throughout the pandemic, you can't over communicate to your to your to your team. So uh, what we've seen be the most success that we've had is our constant communication around changes in protocols or updates around COVID guidelines. Uh, going forward, it's, it's not necessarily COVID, but what communication, explaining the why, why are we doing something? And it can't just be an email. <laughs> our doctors, our staff, they're busy. They're caring for patients. They're not sitting at their computer all day like we might be on the, on the business side. So how do we communicate differently to them? Is it a quick phone call? Is it a lunch and learn? Is it a night meeting? Um, is it a quick text uh, message that might go out to folks' cell phones if it's something that's really, really important? So we've learned a lot about communication, how to communicate with our teams better. And in order for us to be successful, that's gonna be even more key given our geographic spread uh, that, we have, that we have today. Uh, switching gears a little bit here, Dan, what are you most excited about and what makes you nervous? So, uh, you know, I'm most excited about the opportunities that we've had to build upon our successes for the last 27 years. So we, again, have a strong, strong core operations. We've been really successful, but when you have a strong core uh, basis for your operations, it allows you to do all the fun stuff. You can't do all the fun stuff if you can't turn the lights on, you can't serve our patients, provide high quality, all of that has to come first. So one of, the, one of the fun projects that we're working on is behavioral health. So we know if you read any article across the country, there is a 
very, very large need for behavioral health services for patients, adult and, and pediatric, uh, but there is not a ton of opportunities for these families and these patients to get that care. We have started an integrated behavioral health program that has social workers, psychiatrists, and psychologists embedded in our practices. So it takes that behavioral health program, takes it out of the hospital, and brings it closer to home. But if we don't have the ability to do the basic primary care work that we do, we can't do this other fun additional work that our families really need, and it's really important. So, you know, I'd say that's what I'm really excited about because that's just the start of what we have to come. If we can do integrated health, we can do name the next thing in line, and we can we can easily roll that out and support our families. Uh, in, ter in terms of what makes me nervous, I'll be honest, not a whole lot makes me nervous. I look at it all as an opportunity. You know, we, especially when you, you step into the president's role of, of the largest primary care group during the middle of a pandemic, it that was pretty tough. I had a really great team around me, and I had a great mentor who left me in a very, very good position. Uh, to be in with her, with her uh, leadership that she had shared with me when, uh, when we transitioned. But, you know, we use the pandemic, for example, to launch our telemedicine programs for our primary care and urgent care teams. Our virtual urgent care, we'll see 30, 000, over 30,000 patients this year. It's the largest urgent care that we have, a side of service that we have is our virtual urgent care platform. That came within a week because it took us so long to talk through virtual care and is it something we can do? As soon as the pandemic hit, we launched virtual care, we've invested in it, and it's continued to grow. It, it's been a very, very wonderful success um, success story. You know, I, I don't, don't get me wrong, not being nervous doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. There's not going to be challenges ahead. Um, but when you have the strong core operations, you have a strong team, you can face those headwinds, and we can make it, we can make it through. You know, I have, I, I really feel like I'm in a, an amazing position. I have a strong leadership team, my chief medical officer, my assistant vice president, my directors of operations. And then at the core of that, we have a physician leadership team that we meet with monthly. We have a board of physicians that we can go to and say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Are we on track? Um, and these are all physicians who practice daily. So it's not falling on deaf ears. It's not people who don't uh, work and see what's going on, it's really important to stay close to it so we can ensure that we are serving our families appropriately, we are supporting our uh, physicians and our staff appropriately, which will ultimately just make us more successful for the future. Dan, it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you today, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much.